Praise God. Well, we're here to get something from Jesus tonight. Praise God. The, the thing is, is that we have to recognize we already have it. We already got everything, and we're just here to unlock it. We're here to uh, reveal that. You know, that's what a revelation is, a revealing of what's already in you. Praise God. People are like, I got a revelation. It's not something new. It's just an opening up of what you already got. That's good. Praise God. So, amen. So, tonight, we're just going to go for it. We're going to jump into the Word a little bit, and we're going to just kind of walk through some things. But the Lord put something on my heart, and so... Uh, please bear with me. I, I put this message together like about an hour ago, and uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to talk about this tonight. And I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. And so I'm going to talk about uh, the seed of dreams, what it is to have a, a seed that is filled with dreams, and what that looks like for you and I, stepping into the kingdom and being everything that we're called to be. Uh, I, I was thinking about this since I wrote this down. Let me say this to you real quick as we're starting out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, religion strips the God dreams from your heart. That's what religion does. But grace cries out, Lazarus, come forth. That's true. Religion's job and its occupation is to strip the, the God-given dreams right out of your heart. But grace cries out to those dreams, Lazarus, come forth. That's powerful. And that's something that we've got to understand. And so as we're just stepping into this thought process, um, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've encountered people that wanted to steal my dream. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. Praise God. And if you get into a calling or you get something that's a high calling from God or you want to do anything for the Lord, believe me, there's going to be plenty of opportunity by people, religion, life circumstances to steal that dream from your heart, to steal it from you. And it comes in all kinds of ways and ways we could talk about, ways that the devil sends in. Sometimes it's our own uh, ignorance that allows it to be stolen. Uh, it's the things that we are involved with. You know, good works can allow it to be stolen when you're not really walking things uh, out like you should in faith. And there's things that just begin to happen. So praise God. Also, if uh, this is your first time being here, uh, we're a part of North Stream Church here in Indiana, and also uh, we are with Z Ministries. That's the ministry my wife Heather and I founded, and we have a team. We travel the nations. We give Bible college away for free. We do all kinds of cool stuff. If you want to know more about us, go to zministries.com. Amen. They're loaded with all kinds of free material there for you. So, but let's talk about this just a little bit for, for this evening. I want to just step into this, and if we could, I just want to say to you that you have a life dream whether you know it or not. That life dream is whatever's been put into you and whatever you're thinking about and whatever is uh, manifesting through you, that's your life dream. You know, some people, they just their, their dream is to just work in the coal mine. That's their life dream, and work in the coal mine. You know, <laughs> I got the black lung. You know, that's, that's what a lot of people think. That's where they want to end up because it's all they think about. Some people's life dream is to watch football, and they just want to do that. Armchair quarterbacking it. That's the deal. <laughs> Go Notre Dame. Amen. And, and, so, <laughs> and so we realize there's a lot of people that just have ideas that they want to do, and whatever consumes you is really your life dream whether you know that or not. You know, if, if your life is filled up with uh, thinking about cooking, if your life is uh, filled up with all kinds of different things, that is your life dream. Your life dream is whatever consumes you the most. Now, that's one part of it, but there's another thing I want to back up and talk about. Sometimes you get a life dream put into you when you're very young or even in your early walk with the Lord and all of that. You know, <clears throat> I've always known 
since I was very young that I was going to travel with teams. I didn't know why that was, but I always loved it. And I remember when I first got a hold of Jesus, or I should say it the other way around, Jesus got a hold of me, whatever it is. And I remember I was walking down this, this trail one time, and I said, God, I want to have a, a team, a team that's like family. And I want to work together like a team. And, and everybody that's around, we're like family, and we take care of each other, and that kind of thing. And, and I want to have musicians in it, and I want to do all this stuff. I wasn't thinking about church or anything like that. I'm just thinking about, you know, family stuff. And because things were a little, you know, rough and awkward as a child. And I was praying about that, and I was like, God, I just want to, you know, love people, and them love each other, and we're all loving each other, and it's just going to be awesome. I said, I like musicians, uh, people with abilities, and all that, and I'd like to just be a part of something like that one day. I prayed that when I was probably 14 or 15, uh, walking down this thing, and the Lord really delivered on that with me. It took a long time, and uh, I'll never forget, I had a lot of different prophets come up to me over the years, and um, I have never had this desire to uh, do church or pastor churches. To me, church looks like a lot of what, what's that, that one four-letter word, work? Uh, it looks like that, a lot of work, right? And, uh, and so praise God. And so I was thinking, wow, who wants to do church? Who wants to do any of that stuff? And I'll never forget, um, I had this one prophetic man come up to me, and first off, one of them said, you're going to be in teams. God's going to send you all over. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, yes. And, uh, and then another man came up to me and said, uh, I see that the Lord is putting a shepherd's heart inside you. I was like, I rebuke that. <laughs> I rebuke that. Get behind me, Satan. You know? And... Uh, and I remember when he said that, I was just like, that just blew me away. And I was like, whatever. He's like, why, what? Because I literally said that to him. I said, I don't receive that. And uh, he looked at me and he said, what is with all this doubt and unbelief? I said, hey, I take what I want. <laughs> you know, I'm not taking that stuff. I'm not, that's, wow. You know, I've seen pastors. Most of them are miserable, don't like their life, and don't like their wife, and don't like anything. And, and I thought, you know, that's not going to be the way I want to be. And so... I uh, was walking that through, and I just began to ask God all these things, and then uh, another word came to me a season back, probably about eight years ago, actually. I was in this place, and I went to, into this meeting, and it was like a home group meeting, and they had a prophet in there, you know, and, and uh, they actually kind of smuggled me into the room because I'm pretty skeptical of most prophets today, and uh, I got smuggled into this room, and this guy said to me, he's like, oh, I see that you have this shepherd anointing on your life. I was like, what? I rebuke that, and, and he said, you, you're going to go from branding the sheep to, to shepherding the sheep, and I was like, mm, whatever, and uh, needless to say, the Lord has literally caused this to happen in a very unique way. Uh, with how we're doing North Stream churches and all of that, where it's all the same thing. It, it's like it all works together. And uh, so what I've found is, rather than being just a, a pastor in one area and just doing one thing, I'm empowering people to become leaders and pastors and raise up uh, into what they're called to be. That was a dream that God gave me. And it's just kind of like you, you hang on to these dreams and you keep walking it through. I've had many dreams like this. The, the dream I'm working on right now is reaching the masses with the word of God. It's just a dream. And people love to just criticize your dream. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what your dream is, but if it's worth anything, it's going to be criticized. Oh, yeah. That should be like the stamp of approval. If, if your dream's not worth anything, it's probably, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's nice. That's good. 
You know, if, if all you ever hear is, that's nice, how good for you. Hey, and then, hey, let's go get something to eat. And they don't even think about what you said. But if they're like, oh, I'm offended, you know, and they jump into, you know, what is that? I don't know, the attacking possum. Rah! You know, if, they, <laughs> if they're going to jump into that mode, you know, just rah, and that's what they're going to do with you, then you realize maybe your dream's worth something. You know, if people criticize you, if religion stands up against you and people are trying to make issues for you, your dream probably has valid uh, uh, stuff in it. It's probably got something that God gave you attached to it. So if your dream is so small that nobody's getting, you're not getting anybody's attention with it, then maybe you need to dream a little bit bigger. You know, so that's something we need to talk about. My dreams do keep me awake at night. They did again last night. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. I woke up. I'm like, okay, I'm still here. Thank you, Lord. And, <laughs> yeah, praise God. Grace is always crying out to me. Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> but, but you have to have a dream. God has put seeds inside of every one of us. And a lot of us have been had negative seed put in us. A lot of us have had terrible things, difficult circumstances happen to us. But ladies and gentlemen, I do not care what you've been through you can overcome and move forward to a brighter future. Now, if you're hurting and all that, let me qualify that. I do care if you're hurting and you need, uh, you need a little bit of a help getting over a, a, a hurdle, something that you need help with. We're here for you. But your past does not dictate your future. It doesn't. It really does not. But most people dwell in their past, and that is their seed of dreams. And we're not to do that. We're those that literally do not look behind. We press on towards the high call, call in Christ Jesus. We lay hold of the, the calling. Uh, it says if we turn back, we're not worthy of the calling. You know? So there's some things we want to walk through with this that I think are very important. And uh, it's very simple. You know, we recognize that these dreams and these seeds that get in our life come in various ways. One of them is just words. Things people say to you. Things people say to you. Well, I'll never forget. A very successful business person said to me one time, many years ago, and I've said this before, but it really meant something to me. <clears throat> How many of you know if the, uh, I don't know what to say, if, uh, if just some local yokel walks up to you and says, you know, I think you're going to do good, you know, and all that, you're like, thanks, yeah, that's great. But if somebody who's actually done something says something to you, it's kind of like, hmm, that really means a little bit more, Right? And so somebody came walking up to me one time, and, and they, had, uh, they were making something like $100 million a year uh, in their corporation and things they were doing. We were friends, and we were working things out, and um, just a, a really great person. And they came up to me, and they said, you know, a lot of people start out good, but they don't finish strong. They don't. And they said, Joe, you've had a really rough start, <laughs> and it uh, hasn't looked real pretty on the front side. They said, but one thing I know about you by watching your track record is I know you're going to finish strong. You're going to be a good finisher. You're a finisher is what they said. And I thought, hmm, that's awesome. And that really meant something to me. It really went into my heart. Praise God. And uh, I think I got more prophetic words in this last week than I've ever gotten. My goodness, I'm overwhelmed right now. I wish I could just go into all of it, but I, I got so many words. Stephen showed up the other day and just, just showed up on the doorstep just at one of our meetings and just started saying, hey, God sent me here. I didn't even want to be here, but God sent me here. I got a word for you. And that word was loaded. It was like double barrel shotgun. I was just trying to hang on, you know? And so it's, it's a good deal, but... We are literally, the North Stream churches, and I know we're brand new in the things that are happening, but we are literally stepping into one of the most exciting seasons of all of our lives. Amen. This is a thrilling season. 
Praise God. We're about to step into something that is going to literally leave a mark in this world permanently. I mean, there's, there are things that are beginning to happen, and it all started with a seed. It all started with something that was put in me or you or all of us together, and it's culminating into what God has purposed it to be. You know why? Because you didn't quit, and when you had opportunity with the Lord, you stayed with it. You took it. You didn't run away screaming. You know, there's an old saying from Jurassic Park, uh, if you remember that movie. It's where the, the scientist creates dinosaurs out of DNA, nobody knows. Okay, and these dinosaurs are chasing people. Ah, and... <laughs> And in the beginning, it's like they see him and they're like, look at that. You know, and there's these T-Rexes walking around. And they're walking around and at first it's ooh and ah. And then they say, but later there's running and screaming because they get loose and come after you. Anyway, a lot of times, a lot of times with ministry or what God's called you to do, we all love to be in a meeting where there's inspiration and there's power and the hand of God is there and we're feeling things and God's touching us and tickle me Jesus is in full force. Ooh, this is amazing. You know, and there's goosebumps that are standing up and all these things, right? And we get in those moments and we're like, ooh and ah, with worship. We're ooh and ah, with the presence of God. But then later, when God's calling really comes into, into play for you and you have to stand when you feel nothing, then comes the running and screaming part. I don't want to. I didn't know. I don't want to die. I want to get out of here. That's, that's what people go into. They go into self-preservation. The number one killer of a seed of dreams is self-preservation. You will kill your dream with self-preservation. Praise God. I remember when Heather and I living in that basement. My goodness. We had our children next to us. Hi, kids. Hi, Mom and Dad. Isn't this great? Yes. <laughs> to keep ourselves encouraged, we walk around that room in circles saying, thank you, Lord, we're millionaires. <laughs> Wham. And we, we would do all these things. You know, we'd just be encouraged and all that. And, and uh, we, we went through a lot of stuff like that. You know, we, we didn't even own our own home until three years ago. We got our first home three years ago. Yeah, there's a life plan for you. And, but we had this seed inside of us, this hunger to do what God had called us to do. And I'll tell you what, you get a word from God, don't let anyone take it from you. Man, I have learned this. I have learned this through the school of hard knocks. You don't have to let someone steal your seed. And all it comes with, and typically when you lose a seed, it's because of a question comes. And you start listening to people's input. And you start listening to all the religious voices that say you can't do that. Religion is the worst thing that ever happened to the body of Christ. It's true. Oh, religion's the worst. Praise God. It hunts you down. It's like a predator. It wants you. It wants to destroy you. It wants to take you out. And uh, that, it's the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we were born for absolute greatness. And until you really believe that, you won't be able to attain it. Here's something else to think about. Did you know God can only bless you to the level you can believe him for? Listen to me. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. I'm going to give you priceless information tonight. Because something happens inside of a person's heart when they really quit caring. It's amazing. When you quit caring about what people think and what religion thinks and what the enemy thinks and what people's cares and concerns are, rather you care about one thing, the people of God getting the gospel, the real ongoing gospel. Now, we have to really be careful that nobody steals things from our heart, such as religion. Religion is just the worst. It is. And you say, well, what does that mean? Religion is man's efforts to try to please God through the flesh. That's what it is. 
That's religion. It's you just trying to do something more. Anybody that tells you you gotta get to the altar, cry out on your knees, beg for God to do something, is absolutely preaching a different gospel. <coughs> just so we're clear. Now, if you're doing that because you have a heart that's overwhelmed for the Lord, I bawled my eyes out up here in worship tonight. I could barely get up here. I was like, oh, just keep going, Heather. I gotta look macho. And, 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 uh, but but when, you, when you're told you have to do these things to be pleasing to the Lord or all these things, that is just religion at its finest. It really is. And all this stuff where people have got to do all this doing and trying and crying and pleading and all this stuff to try to just you know, appease a holy God is just opposite of what Jesus provided. That's you saying, you didn't provide, I'm going to go provide something myself. Instead of resting and going, oh, now if you come to the altar and you're crying out because you're so overwhelmed with the thankfulness for what's already done, man, go for it. Praise God. If this offends you, good. This is good for you. And so there's things we need to walk through just a little bit tonight with the dreams that are in our heart. And the dreams that are in our heart are placed there by God Almighty. And there are many dreams that are inside you that some of you have let go of. God determined before you were born for you to be great. Amen. He predetermined it. He determined that you would be great. He already paved a way for you to become a hundredfold of what you're called to be. The only thing standing between us and that is us. We're the only thing that's stopping us from attaining that and becoming everything God has purposed for us to be. And, and religion tries to dictate that to us and say, you will do it this way and not that way because that way is not right. And the truth is, is that if Jesus came and preached today or if Paul preached today, most churches wouldn't have him in there because they're too free for them. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus, the only people he had an issue with were the people that really knew that law. All the people that were drinking and doing whatever, Jesus is just fine with them. Rolls up on a party. Jesus spent time at parties. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. Now, did Jesus get drunk? Yeah, no. <laughs> Jesus was not sipping on grandpa's cough medicine for pleasure. Okay? <laughs> we got a little sore throat. Hold on, boys. It wasn't happening. Praise God. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Now, my, <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that Jesus, absolutely, though, he was in those places because he wasn't religious. Religious people couldn't stand him, and all they wanted to do is nitpick and argue and debate and point out all the things he was doing wrong, and they plotted how to trick him and, 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 and show everybody what they were doing wrong instead of just saying, you're the word of life. There's nothing but word here. There's nothing but truth in you. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem when he came to it. Remember that? He said, oh, I wish I could have held you in my arms, but you would not have it. And that's not the sovereignty of God holding it back. That was Jesus truly grieved because he said, you didn't recognize who I was. That wasn't God doing that. People, my goodness, why would Jesus cry then? He should have came in there and been like, yeah, I purpose this. You're all doomed. Doomed, doomed, doomed. What's that video that says, what in the name of me is happening here? <laughs> anyway, okay. That is so funny. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody okay? <laughs> Religious cows are like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, Moo, I don't know. Me too, Moo. Praise God. But we've got to get to a point where we, we not only protect our dream, but we apply faith to the dream. We see it live, and religion doesn't want you to have that. Your religion, where you've come from, doesn't want you to have that. Your religion that you still carry to some capacity does not want you to have that. God wants you free. He wants you to live. He loves you. And there's not a thing you can do to change that. That's right. You might be stupid, you might go mess up your life, you might hurt yourself, you might hurt others, but that has nothing to do with how much God loves you. God really does. He's wild about you. And the more, that's my whiskers on the mic, amen. And if we get more understanding about that, we'll realize that God really does love us. He does, he is wild about us. And when you start to understand that from the inside out, it creates confidence inside you. It gives you strength instead of this performance-based thing. So many of us are walking around under performance. God's going to get me. God's going to done get me. He's going to get me. Oh, the Holy One is going to get me. He's so holy and I'm a worm. He's going to get me. And, and he is not going to get you. If God was going to get you, he would have got you. And he's not going to get you. God loves you. Yes. Loves you. When your children mess up, are you like, oh, 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 oh am I going to whoop you? I mean, I'm going to whoop you till I'm tired. You know, that is not how we are. We're not, thrilled when they, <laughs> we're not thrilled when they mess up and we just get to punish them for it. Sometimes, yeah, you correct them, you love them, and that is correction, and God does that. But here's what we realize about these things, is that when you have a dream, if your heart tells you God loves you, and God put this inside me so I can truly win and bring my part to the, the table of the kingdom, God gave me this dream to glorify him and the body and what we're called to do, then you're going to never have a problem with religion again. Because religion wants to stop every dream you have. Religion hates you as much as the devil does. Religion wants to control you. Yeah? My goodness, since we're on this topic, we should get on the topic of women preachers. Thank you, Jesus. This will help some of you out a little bit. Praise God. Because, amen, we don't care, amen? And so people are like, I'm going to argue with you. Save your argument. You're just going to waste your breath. Praise God. Read your Bible and do good hermeneutics. Hallelujah. And so that's the art and science of interpretation. Praise God. And so when you look at some of these things, women are equal to men. Just because a man and a woman have different genders doesn't mean one can preach and one can't because of genders. When it calls them the weaker vessel, it just means that by and large, generally speaking, most men are physically, in the natural, capable of lifting heavier things than women. Now that's not always the case. There's some you know, strong women out there, you know? Praise God. Some women, you know, you know, they just plow a field with their shoulder, you know, but, but, but praise, just put your back into it, woman, you know, but, <laughs> and so I know one preacher that actually saw that happening <laughs> in Russia. And so anyhow, <laughs> welcome to Soviet Union, <laughs> where the men are men and so are the women, you know, so, okay. And so, <laughs> that's actually the term for the Iron Range where I'm from. The men are men and so are the women. No, anyway, <laughs> praise God. But there is no difference between male and female. 
There is, there's no difference between Jew or Greek, Scythian or barbarian. There is no difference. We are all speaking spirits. Amen. We are speaking spirits. And the moment we start to uh, divide things based on our, our gender or who we are and all these things, what begins to happen is, is then you start to literally get into that hierarchy that it is called in uh, the book of Revelation, they called it the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was is that one of the parts of the doctrine was is that I'm better than you, you're beneath me. And God despises that. He does, because we are all a kingdom of priests. Right. Nobody's better than anybody else. We all just have a spot to play. That's right. So do I believe in women preachers? Yeah. <laughs> I think a woman should preach. It's like we said at Amanda's wedding, you know? A woman's place is in the house. House of Representatives, the White House, the, amen. <laughs> Too much, everybody's like, I don't know if I like that. Well, get over yourself, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm serious. We're, we're cutting off half the army because of stupid religious doctrines. Yeah. Cutting off half the army. That's right. And the devil applauds that. Yeah, good. Keep those women down. So, man, Heather's like my favorite preacher. You know, I'd never keep her down. If she's got a word to give, man, I'd get out my notebook and take it in. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And people that say all that stuff, I heard one preacher say recently, they're like, well, you know, there's some preachers, and I won't name names and all that, but there's some preachers that somebody thought I was going to. That's hilarious. There's some preachers that, um, that preach women shouldn't preach and all these things. And, and then they were asked about another woman preacher, a very famous woman preacher that uh, is very well known and all of that. And they said, well, what about this one? You know, because you kind of let her preach, but yet you don't believe in women pastors and preachers and all that. And uh, they said, well, you know, as long as you just listen to the teaching, but they, you don't consider that something you're getting as pastoral information. <laughs> How stupid can we be and still breathe? As Andrew Womack says. <laughs> yeah. And so we realize some of these things. Now, we just have to come through to the understanding that God has called us to be what we're called to be. Now, we, ladies, I'm just setting you free right now. If you don't believe in women preachers or that garbage has been on you, I set you free right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me go further. If you've been through a divorce, if you've been through a mess, if you've been uh, in any circumstance, God loves you. And God is still for you. Do you believe people can be in ministry if they've been divorced? Yes. Do you think that as long as they, they're walking up before the Lord, as they have measurable results, they're doing the stuff God's called them? Ladies and gentlemen, there is so many things about this that is ridiculous that the church has put on people today, and Jesus never put it on them. Look at how Jesus treated the woman in adultery. Right? What did Jesus say? He's like, get her, boys. They got around with stones, and he's like, oh, I guess she deserves it. That is not what he did. He took his finger, went down in the sand, and as some scholars believe, he began to write out their sins as they were talking to him in the sand. I think he did. Jesus kind of knew stuff. I think he was writing in the sand, and they're talking. They're like, don't you know what this woman has done? You know, teacher, don't you know? And he's like, uh-huh, yep, liar. Uh, put his initials by it. Uh, I think that's what Jesus is doing. He's writing in the sand, breaking it down in crayon for them. Yeah? yeah? Right I think then. Jesus is doing all that. And by the end of it, then he stood up and said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Probably looking at the, the sand drawings. <laughs> and they're like, mm. 
And then it said the oldest to the youngest dropped the stone. Why was it the oldest to the youngest? Because the oldest are the ones that have been around enough and they knew, mm, checkmate, he got us. The youngest ones are like, no, the idealist, I can, I can still do this. No, she's wrong, we need to kill her. You know, and G- they finally realized, even them, they realized they couldn't beat what he wrote and what was happening in the moment. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants you to win. And if we're judging everyone based on their performance or what they've done or not done, everyone is guilty. Guilty. Praise God. Who's the best sinner we have in here? Right? Show me. Come on. I mean, it's like people who really think their righteousness attains to something. All you are is a really good version of a sinner. At your very best, you're a sinner. But in Jesus, if we really get the gospel, you're not a sinner anymore. You're not even a sinner saved by grace. That is not good doctrine. You are a new species of being that has never existed before. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are joint heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places. You are the righteousness of God. God is with you, and if God before you, who can be against you? Why? Because the enemy has nothing in you anymore. The seed of God dwells in you, 1 John says, and if, if his seed is in you, then you cannot sin because that seed remains in you. Praise God. You start to get a hold of this and you're like, wait a second, you mean like I'm a winner? Yeah. Yeah, you're a winner. Yeah, praise God. Now if I could be in some meetings, I was like, no, you're a loser. Loser! You'd be like, amen, I'm I'm a loser, that's right. Because your religion lines right back up with that. But you're not, you're a winner. God has called you to be a winner. He put the spirit of Christ inside you. He put the Holy Ghost inside you. So if you say, oh, I'm not all that, this or that, then you're insulting the spirit of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, you were born to overcome. Every circumstance, every time you overcome, you're just giving in to the nature of God that is born inside you. Upon salvation. Too much? Praise God. So we realize this. So when you get this understanding, you recognize then that if God has given you a dream, you need to hang on to that dream because it's a precious thing. God has put a seed inside you, and that seed is the assignment he's given you. Your dream should be bigger than you. Here's something else I like to say. People say, I need a vision. I don't know what my vision is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here's the simple answer to that. If you don't have a vision, serve a vision until that vision becomes your vision. Make it your vision. And if God wants you to have a different vision, he'll give that to you and it'll become clear to you. Amen? Amen. We get a hold of a vision from God, and the best way to do that is to serve a vision. You don't know what to do? Come on and serve North Stream. Serve Z Ministries. Let's go. If you know what to do, then we're going to get behind you. Praise God. I said to somebody just recently, they're like, I I think I might want to start a ministry or do something. I'm like, do it. We're behind you. God forbid the ministry actually grows and the gospel gets preached elsewhere. (laughs) Worst thing in the world is you start a church and then somebody else tries to start one and people flip out over it. Man, that's dumb. Praise oh, God. Yeah? People, like, people have said that to me. They're like, the model you have. I mean, but don't, aren't you afraid that people might actually like, you know, figure things out and who they are and you don't have control of it and they're going to run and, and start another church? And I was like, oh, God forbid. <laughs> so you mean to tell me that like, they might actually go out and spread the gospel and bring in disciples through their own flair the way that God's called them to do it? 
Oh, man, heaven help us. What happens if that happens? We might actually get the world won. Shucks. Yeah. And so we realize where that's at. We've got to do what God's called us to do. Amen, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Marlowe. Yeah. And so we realize some of these things. And God's called us to win mightily. You're not called to win sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. You're called to win them all. Every circumstance you come into contact with, you are called to win. You're not supposed to win some of the battles. You're called to win all of them. The battle is not over until you win. That's when you know it's over. When you've won. When the opponent is on the mat and you're standing over him. Praise God. Remember that picture of Ali when he knocked that guy down? There's that picture. He's, he's like that, like this with his arm back, like that, and he's yelling to him, get up! <laughs> he's like, come on, I got more for you. <laughs> Praise God. Your problems will start to leave you alone. Did you really know that? You get a hold of the dream that belongs inside you, your problems will actually leave you alone when you realize, when your problems recognize or the kingdom of darkness recognizes, you're actually using them to better you. I'm not saying you welcome the problems. I'm saying, though, rather when they come, you're like, oh, I guess it's time for some more education. I guess it's time for a little faith building. I guess it's time for this. And you take joy in it and you grow through them. I'm telling you, the devil will be like, just don't, don't give them that anymore. <laughs> Every time I throw, I throw things on them, they just explode. They grow. It's like giving them steroids. It's just, wow. <laughs> Praise God. It's true. Man, we eat problems for breakfast, man. We chew them up, spit them out, and be like, that was some protein. That's the deal. That's how we need to be. You get your mind like this, and then you're stepping into the ground that can cultivate your dream. You start to think like this, and you will cultivate your dream. You start to think like this, and you're going to actually think like a winner. You look at problems, and literally, Heather and I, when we get a problem, the first thing we do is, ha-ha, 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 it'll all turn out good for us in the end, ha-ha-ha-ha. Yeah, some of you need to do that. It breaks your religion right on your face. You know, so let's, let's just try it right now. Do it right now. So let's just, let's just laugh. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. One more time, let's try it. Ha-ha-ha-ha. People are like, why are we laughing? Because you need it, you religious thing. Praise God. And so... So praise God. So God wants you to win. God wants you to overcome. You were born to win. And when you have these kind of things happening in your heart and you realize that you start to train your heart to overcome and win and win and win, then the seed that God has given you, now that the heart is cultivated to look at circumstances for winning, the seed can remain. The seed of vision can remain. The seed of destiny, the seed of your dreams can remain. I'm working on a seed of dreams right now that I just, I can't talk about it, but I'm going to. I'm going to, eventually. <laughs> it's all coming out soon enough. But it's, I'm just like, is this really real? I get sweaty palms thinking about it. I'm so happy, Jesus. <laughs> There's so many things we're going to do. We are going to empower people by the word of God. Glory. We are going to empower people. The, the vision God gave me about reaching the masses is coming to pass even today. Hallelujah. Right now. There's things happening right now. Yeah. Praise God. I need to calm down a little bit, get back to this message. But we, we realize that this is where it's at. So let's talk about this. I have a couple points I'll give you tonight. Amen. Uh, let's talk about this. Number one, have a dream. You want to have a dream. Praise God. You want to have a dream. How do you get a dream? At some point in your life, you become inspired for something. That's a seed. That's a dream. That seed goes into the ground. And maybe it's you saw something. 
You see an image, you see a person, you see them doing something and something strikes a chord with you. And you think, that's what I want to do. You know, I had, I had that kind of similar thing happen to me when I was really young. And my mom used to take uh, journals of things we'd say when we were little kids. And my, my mom asked all the kids, she's like, what do you want to be? And my sister's like, I want to be a vet. And they asked my brother, what do you want to be? And he's like, I want to be a farmer or something like that. And uh, they, they, she came to me and in school, they came to me and they asked all the kids. And I really processed it. And they said, uh, uh, Joey, what do you want to be? <laughs> and uh, they got to me and I said, um, I want to be an oceanographer. And, and they were like, okay, and <laughs> just kept going. And that's somebody that maps out the ocean and gets to spend time over the water and under the water. And that just fascinated me. And it was just something about that. And I realized over time, you, you kind of reset some of these things and all that. Obviously, that's not what I'm doing today, praise God. But there's things about it that you have dreams of doing kind of grand things that are just out of the box, you know? Some people, of course, when we meet them, they don't just, some people are in the box, right? <clears throat> I work with a lot of business guys. They're, they're in the box or outside the box. And occasionally, you meet somebody that's not in the box and just outside the box. Anybody know people that are outside the box? <clears throat> the way they think. They're not just in the box or outside the box. They come up with creative ideas. Then occasionally, you meet the person that's dragging the box behind them down the street with chocolate streaming down their face. Ah! No. Ah! No, okay. And so... <laughs> And those people there, you just got to watch. Amen. <laughs> now, I had this dream inside me to do these things, but the Lord showed me that I had a big capacity to believe. I do. I have a big capacity to believe. I just, I can't think small. Small thinking really bothers me. Yeah. It should bother you, too. <laughs> people that think small, small thinkers are critical thinkers, and not in the positive way. They think critical about you. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness, we were driving around Dave's new Cadillac today. Yeah. And I was driving that around. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I was like, praise God. I, I said, what kind of group of people gets together and buys a man of God a brand new caddy? That's right. Praise God. I said, Heather, this is nicer than both our cars combined. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Because you know what that is? That's sewing forward. I love thinking big like that. And so the capacity to think big is when you hang out with people that think big. You want to be around that. So when I was a kid, I had this dream about oceans and all this stuff. And yet today, that's still part of it because I believe I'm supposed to travel and go over those things. And, and that's just a part of how I operate. I think big. I don't do good all cooped up in small places. I like to do things and see things happen. And you should think that way too in your capacity and through your grid. And when you do that, you think big. God has something to work with. You know, and a lot of people spend all their time with their dreams and the seed that's in their heart, and what they do is they look at things as though they are, and they call it as it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we see things that are negative, and instead of saying, here's the answer to that, by faith I call it the answer, they still look at the negative and call it as it is, right? So what should we be doing? Well, what did God do? God stepped into the void in Genesis. What did he do? He stepped into the darkness and created the light, right? God stepped into the darkness and he didn't say, "Woo, it's dark in here. It's dark out here. He didn't look around and go, it's so dark. If God would have said that, you know what would have happened? More dark. God stepped into the darkness and said, let there be light. Yeah. And light came. 
Boom. And so that's something we've got to understand. That's what we've got to do in our life. Okay. Now, you have to have capacity to dream big, really big. We were just with Clark at Courtney last week at the Ohio campus, and it is thriving there, by the way. My goodness, things are going good. Clark is just knocking it out of the park, Sam and Lish. And Clark took us to the Aviation Museum, and I I don't know if that's the name for it, but we went there in Dayton, Ohio. If you ever get a chance to go, they have these huge airplanes. And I was like giddy, man. I was like, we're walking around, we're taking selfies by the NASA space shuttle. (laughs) You know, we're running all over the place, and Clark's with us, and we're doing things. You get to walk through some of these old World War II planes and, and all that. I didn't realize we've only been flying for a hundred years. That's amazing. But anyway, Andy was there, Pastor Andy's with us, and we're walking through, and Joel and a few of us are together, Emily's there, and we're walking together in a kind of a group, and I was like, look at that cargo plane. And because I just geeked out over it, I thought, that's so amazing. We could all be in that. And we could have staff meetings over the Atlantic, you know, and we could be working on things. There could be a media suite over there, you know, and and I was really thinking that. I was like, wouldn't this be amazing? We'd never even have to own homes. We'd just live in it and go everywhere. And and Andy's like, yeah, good, great, Joe, you know, (laughs) because Andy Andy has faith. He rolls with me, but he's a realist, amen, and uh, praise God. That's why we all need each other, praise God. But anyway, it's good to think big. It's good to give your mind a little exercise like that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So having a dream is important. Let's talk about this real quick. I'll just, we don't have the screen that I typically point right at, so I'm just gonna give you scriptures tonight. Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Very quickly, we're gonna zip through this. We're gonna do some ministry yet tonight. Romans 10, 17, it says this very simply. Faith comes by hearing the word the word of God. How does faith come? By hearing the word, right? It's up here. But we see that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith doesn't come by any other way. It comes by hearing the word of God. You might have encouragement, you might have other things, but real faith is from hearing the word of God. That is so awesome. That is what a dream is. You hear anointed ministry. Typically the dreams that have come in me or things that I've heard, seeds God's put into my heart, a seed of dreams, has been when I've heard anointed preachers, I've heard powerful ministry, and I'm just in the presence of God, and all of a sudden God speaks to me. And that happens in your life, Greg. It's gonna happen more. And things just begin to happen where I'm in the presence of God, and it's like, bam, something. That was awesome. That was really had some bass. I won't do it again. But it was... (laughs) But it's like things happen like that and the seed that's in you gets in there because you're in an anointed setting and you hear the word being preached. I hear things through God, from God when people are preaching that are anointed that have nothing to do with their message. I like to sit under anointed preaching just to get a message. Yeah? You'll get a message beyond the message if you just sit under anointed preaching. Praise God. And I'm very selective what I listen to. I've got about a pool of about four one of them's me. I like good preachers, amen. People are like, that's arrogance. No, I just, I just actually believe in this message. I literally believe in it. Not because I'm so impressed with me, believe me. Uh, I ain't. But what I'm impressed with is the word of God and the message that God's given all of us together. This is our message, ladies and gentlemen. And so... Walking this through, we realize faith comes by hearing. That's how the seed gets in you. Now, when you get the seed, let me give you another point. The first one was have a dream. The second one is this. 
When you get your dream, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very carefully. When you get your dream, keep your dream safe. Keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. That was Lord of the Rings humor. Nobody got it. <laughs> Praise God. Keep your dream safe. Thank you, Lord. We recognize that in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, when the shepherds came and they brought Jesus uh, uh, good tidings, and they said they'd seen the angels and all of that. They came to Jesus, and Mary, when she saw them and all the things they said, Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered them. She pondered these things. Sometimes when you see something, you hear something, you're not supposed to just go let it go to the world. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further in a moment. But you don't just give all the secrets of the dreams God's given you away because they can be short-circuited. You can kind of cut it short. And so what we need to do is hide some of these dreams in our heart and cultivate it. So number three, what do we do with the dreams when we're keeping it safe? Number three, water your seed. Water your dream. The third point is water your seed. You want to water it. Give it a little uh, taste of water. What is water? The word. Mm -hmm. The word. Ephesians 5 says we are washed by the water of the word. Uh, again, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Water your seed. Take your dream, keep it to yourself, and pour the word of God over it. There's a time when you'll know. You'll know when people should be releasing their dream. You will know. I mean, it's kind of like this. When you know the dream's about to take place, it's like a woman that's going to give birth. You know, sometimes a lady can be pregnant and not know she's pregnant. Do you know that? How many ladies can say amen to that? But there's people, you can be pregnant and not know you're pregnant. But then all of a sudden, you kind of recognize, I'm pregnant. It's in there. The baby's in there. On the inside. I have a baby on board. And so they go get checked, they make sure, but not only they know, nobody else knows. Tell their husband, they know. But as things are moving forward, they realize that nobody else knows, and pretty soon, you know, if you start to tell people, oh, I'm pregnant, people will be like, oh yeah, you're pregnant, okay, great, good, good, glad, we're glad. But if you didn't tell anybody, and you're holding on to it for it to be a surprise, then what happens is, before long, all of a sudden something begins to happen. A change begins to take place. <laughs> Praise God. People are like, you know, um, yeah, you've been eating? I mean, what's, what's happening? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, things just begin to happen. And that's, you know, it's, it's just an interesting thing. It's like where, where guys get in trouble. They're like, uh, they don't know if they should say, hey, you have a baby? No baby? I don't know. And, and they ask those questions. You start to wonder that. But pretty soon it comes so evident that it's really not, you're not able to hide it any longer. And then all of a sudden people are coming up and they're like, oh, congratulations, and all that stuff. And they want to, you know, rub the belly or whatever women do that I think is interesting and, and, <laughs> and all of that. You know, it says, take a selfie. You know, it's like, you know, how about don't? <laughs> and so, uh, praise God. And <laughs> that's just the other side of that option. <laughs> and so, <laughs> too much? Everybody okay? Okay, yeah, amen. And so, 
some of these things that begin to happen, but all of a sudden people are saying, wow, look at that, you're pregnant. Everybody's like, you're gonna have a baby. And you've known this all along. How is it that all of a sudden people know at the end that you're gonna have a baby? Because now the seed of dreams, whatever it is, this is a parallel for your life. That seed that's in you has grown and matured. You've known about it the whole time, but you haven't told anybody about it. But suddenly when it comes time and the season is approaching, everybody starts to recognize it. Everybody starts to recognize it. Now, you didn't get pregnant the moment that they see that you're pregnant. That seed has been there for a long time. And ladies and gentlemen, then finally the birth happens and everybody celebrates because they knew it was coming. That's the deal. And that is the same with the seed of dreams. Many of you are either going to or are coming into a season where some of the seeds that are in you are literally, you are like half term right now. You're like getting there. And pretty soon you're going to start showing. North Stream Church is going to start showing. This ministry, all of your lives are going to start showing, representing the seed of dreams God put inside you. You're going to start showing. It's going to start coming out. And you're literally going to begin to prepare to deliver that new birth of what God has brought forward. You have seed in you. You know what a lot of people do, and I know this sounds really crude and heavy, but a lot of people abort their seed. Talking about our dreams. Talking about our callings. Sometimes people, they prematurely stop that. And that is not what God's called us to do, ladies and gentlemen. So we got to water the seed. That's how you do it until that time comes. Let's talk about this. Tell yourself about your seed. Number four, tell yourself about your seed. Talk to yourself about it. You think, that's kind of silly. It's only silly if you don't do it. But if you do it, you start to see the power in it. You start to see the impact of it. You start to see what the, the validation for that is and what it will do for you. You talk to the seed. You talk to yourself about the seed. You walk around and you begin to say, oh my goodness, my goodness, I have this. This is in me. I will see this manifest. This will, it is in the spirit. It will manifest in the natural. Praise God. You start to call yourself the way you see yourself in the seed. Talk to the seed. Nurture it. Don't let people talk down on your seed. Religion loves to do that. They love to just pound on it. They're like, who told you you could be wealthy? Who told you you could be healed? Who told you you could be an overcomer? You're a worm. You're an old sinner saved by grace. En contraire, mon ami. Rather, I am a saint. The Bible calls you a saint, the righteousness of God, the pearl of great price, joint heirs with Christ, that you are seated with him in heavenly places. All of these things. It calls you lords and kings. It doesn't call you old sinners saved by grace. That's right. And so we get a hold of these things and you start to tell yourself about it. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Let's look at that just very quickly. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. If that's up on the screen, we can look at that. Romans 10, 10. Praise God. It says this. Let's read this out loud together. Begin. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, very quickly, there's that heart-mouth connection. And we've got to have this connection where we tell ourselves what's going on. In other words, you believe it, the inner, the seed is there, you know what you have, but then you must confess it. With the heart you believe, with the mouth you confess. So you believe in the spirit, by confessing it, you pull it into the natural. But you've got to believe it first. People just confess stuff, it doesn't do anything. 
You have to have the combination. You've got to believe it and then say it. Praise God. That's that one, that, that hashtag, I speak it. Amen? That's the deal. And so we've got to do that. Praise God. So you believe it, then you speak it. And you've got to say that over the seed that's in your heart. I believe this, God. You put this in me, the dream. You tell yourself about it. Now, point number five, very quickly. I want you to really consider this. Now, this is important. The seed starts to take some maturity, starts to take shape. You understand it. Now, this is the time where you tell the right people about the seed. And no one else. There's some people that have no business knowing about your seed, your dream, your seed of dreams. Some people have no business knowing about that because it's like the pearls that are cast before swine and they'll trample on them and turn and tear you to pieces. That is a strong image. And the reason is because you have something so precious that God gave you. You don't just walk up to some legalistic person and tell them, this is what I've got and it's precious and it's, it's in its very infantile stages and you're like, look at that. And they'll just be like, throw it on the ground, stomp on it and just beat you up over it with their words and then give you a whole bunch of bad seeds that you've got to try to work through and regain that seed. Praise God. Somebody say, not me. And then go, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> that's not us. We, yeah, amen, that's right. We're called to walk this stuff through. You know, praise God, devil tried to kill so many of you. Praise God, he's wanted you dead for so long. Religions wanted to stop you, take you down, take you down a notch just to kind of show you who you're supposed to be in their eyes. That's not what God's purpose is for you at all. God's purpose is for you that you would win, that you would live, move, and have your being. So when you get a seed like that, you don't go and just throw it out to people. They're going to beat you up over it. Rather, you hang on to it. You cultivate it. You speak to it. You, you bless it. You talk to yourself over it. And you tell no one else about it that shouldn't know. So what does that mean? Only tell people in your small circle who are thrilled or as thrilled about it as you are. I don't hang out with people that don't make me laugh. I'm serious. I hang out with people that I laugh with till I cry. I think about Josh. He, he, you guys start quoting Nacho, and I'm just on the floor. <laughs> My favorite color is light tan. You know? uh, uh, and so you start going through all that. I, that makes me laugh. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, Jesus. You know, that, that is the stuff. People that make you sad all the time. Now, I'm not talking about a hiccup. Somebody does something. I get, we understand this, I hope, right? I'm talking about people that consistently bring you down a notch. Just, it's always darkness. It's just so dark right now. It's like, it was sunny, but then I showed up and the clouds came. It's just dark, you know. Mm, that's no good. Don't be that for other people either. You should come in and be the brightest person in the setting. Yeah. And so you want to tell people that are as thrilled as you are about your seed of dreams so they can agree with you, have faith with you, press forward with you. Uh, I love talking with Clark. We're over there. We are just hamming it up at his house. Praise God. We're laughing about stuff, dreaming about stuff, and that man of God's going to do mighty things. Courtney is a strong woman of God. You guys are going to take over, and I'm going to be cheering you the whole way. 
Praise God. I know what the Lord showed me about you, Clark. Praise God. You be standing on that platform. You oh, praise you, Jesus. It's going to be awesome. Amen. So we realize that there's a small circle that you're thrilled to tell the dream to. Joseph, when he had a dream, he told it to his brothers prematurely, didn't he? Remember that? Joseph's like, I had a dream. <laughs> and uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, real quick. Genesis 37, verse 5. Just take a look here if we can get that up there. Joseph had a dream, and uh, he decided one day he's going to tell his brothers about it. Praise God. It's kind of a longer stretch, isn't it? There it is. Now, Joseph had a dream. Amen. There's a seed, a seed of dreams. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> that must have been a wonderful family get-together. Can, can you imagine Joseph after he was king, and they were there and all that, and they came up, and all of a sudden he realized who they were and all these things, all the emotions that must have gone through him? You guys threw me in a pit, all that. The brothers, even after Joseph revealed who he was to them, and he's crying with them and all that, they still thought he was going to kill them. <laughs> like, he's going to kill us. He's, he's, dead. he's only keeping us alive because dad's still alive. And then dad died, and they're like, please, Joseph, oh, please don't kill us. And he's like, I'm not going to kill you. But they were thinking he was just going to take them out. Yeah. And I'm sure the thought crossed Joseph's mind. He was probably like, hmm. He could have been like David, the godfather, who definitely wanted to take people out. Remember the story of David when he took people out? Remember how David at the end, remember Joab, that guy, David's guy, Joab? Remember him, Joab? He was uh, that guy that went and killed different people in his army. I think he might even have killed Absalom, and David didn't want him to do it. And anyway, Absalom being David's son and all that, Joab killed some people that David said not to. Joab did it anyway. And Joab was one of David's leaders. And as David was an old man, and he's uh, passing on the kingdom to Solomon, and you can just see David. Everybody always sees David as this harp and bowl guy. Ha, la, 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 you know, whatever. zippity doo da. And David, rather, instead was this guy who was, uh, <laughs> instead of that, he wasn't the artsy guy. David was the warrior, I'll kill you guy. That's who David was. And I think David, when he was old, I think he transformed himself because of various battles and all these things. I don't think he talked like some nice guy with an artsy accent. Rather, I think David talked like the Godfather. Nobody knows what the Godfather is? The Godfather is this Italian-based movie on an older gentleman who did favors for people, and they came to see him on his deathbed, and he talked like he had cotton balls in his mouth, but he could make things happen for everyone, including taking people out. And so David was this guy, so he'd, he'd just be like, oh, Solomon, come on in here to this place. I want to talk to you, my son. I got some words of wisdom to give you before I pass on. I just want you to know, son, that there's this guy over here. His name's Joab. I never did anything to justify what he did. I never corrected it. I let it go. But here's what I want to say to you, son. I want you to go and kill that old man. I want you to not let his head go down to the grave without bloodshed. And then he passed it on to his son. And therefore, as David's passing into eternity, he looked at the Lord and said, You see, Lord, I didn't do it. My hands are clean. <laughs> As, <laughs> All right, praise God. Yeah. And so, we, <laughs> so what we realize, though, is, is that David, I believe, David was a man of war and all these things, and he was into all that. 
But Joseph, just getting back to this very quickly, we realize that Joseph had a dream and he prematurely told it to his brothers and they hated him even more for it. When you tell people your dream, you gotta tell the right people who are gonna celebrate with you because if you tell the wrong people, they're gonna despise you, they're gonna compete with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have had people compete with me my whole life. You know what I used to do when people would compete with me in ministry? I'd just give them the whole ministry. I've done that many times. I'd just give them the whole thing because I'd be like, man, this is stupid. I'm going to go get the Bible and just go be a hippie hermit out in the middle of nowhere and I'm going to just read the word and love Jesus with a ukulele. No? Okay. And just all by myself out there. Praise God. That's all. Praise the Lord. You think it's funny. You should see it in my mind. It's a, and so... We've got to be people, though, rather that instead of doing those things, people just, we have so much that we try to protect in this life, but what we should protect is the dream God gave us, and we should just literally cultivate that and let it live and move and have its being. And what's the last thing? Let me give you this final point, point six. Do faith actions toward your seed of dreams. Okay, so for an example, God tells you, uh, I've called you to advance financially. Awesome. You know what you need to do? You need to start being a radical giver. Amen. Let me tell you a word that I was given many, many years ago. Okay, I'm talking, let's see, this would be 1996. I was given this word. So you do the math. In that time, I was there and literally, uh, a prophet came up to me in a meeting and said, son, young man, I see that God is going to put endless amounts of resources into your ability and through your vessel and you're going to bless multitudes of people. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> and he's like, but God can't give it to you right now because you're not responsible at all. As a matter of fact, you'd go waste it, do something stupid with it. And I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. You know, I'm 18, I'm 16, whatever I was. I, I got this figured out. And, uh, and he's like, no, God cannot give it to you right now. And so I thought, boom, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to have all these resources. We're going to do all stuff. We're going to change the world. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Right from there, poverty. <laughs> Years of poverty. <laughs> uh, failure after failure after failure. I'd try a little business venture. Failure. <laughs> it was just epic failure. I was embarrassed to meet Heather's family when I first met him because I was so impoverished. I was trying to figure out why she ever hung out with me. It wasn't for the money. And uh, praise God, it was my good looks. That's what it was. And so, <laughs> and so I had this word that was inside me, and that's something that I know that God wants to do through these ministries, through North Stream churches, is we are going to be a giving church. We're going to be a missions-based church. Did you know it takes resources to go ye into all the world? That's right. It, it, just, I, it just disgusts me when missionaries have to come with a slideshow. Uh, please give me 50 bucks. And you know, uh, we almost met our, our budget and they got to come and tour the whole nation to get enough money to go back for six more months. What? Why don't we finance them for like 10 years? Hallelujah. They go there with their family and they'll drive a decent car and they can get some things done and they can win people over there and they're not going to be straining and striving and they can teach other people how to become efficient and move forward. That's, that's kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Boy, just, we are going to do missions like that, believe me. And we're going to send people right from these churches. Praise God. You want to go to missions? Thank you, Jesus. North Stream's the place for you. And so we've got to do faith actions toward the seed that God's given us. We have to do that. It says uh, Mark eleven 24. Let's look at this real quick. Mark eleven 24. 24. 
Let's go in verse 23 first. Mark 11, 23, and 24. These are the scriptures Kenneth Hagin wrote. <laughs> okay, Mark 11, 23. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look at this. Some of you are like, Kenneth Hagin, praise God. He's the word of faith guy that always said, you know, you speak it. Okay, praise God. Mark eleven twenty three. Let's read this out loud together. Begin. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What is the first and foremost way to actually believe you have received something? You speak it and then you act on it. So in other words, if all of a sudden somebody says to you, uh, you know that you have received healing in your body. You know you have. You've received it. What should you do? Well, if you couldn't walk before, you should try walking. If you couldn't stretch down and touch your toes before, you should try stretching down and touching your toes. Praise God. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? If it doesn't work, nothing lost. Praise God. I've seen a lot of people not healed, but I've also seen a lot of people healed. It does not intimidate me one bit when people say, we need to pray for this or that. And we pray for it, and uh, it, it's not our problem. Our problem is to do what God's called us to do. It's true. But then people have to have corresponding action. They ask God, they believe they receive it, and if you believe you receive something, you should act on it. In other words, if you believe that you're supposed to be, um, again, it's easy with the resources thing. If you believe you want to increase, you believe God wants you to do well, then you've got to do a corresponding action with that. You give, you do the stuff. And literally, that action lines up with what's done. And then you get a reaction in the natural. It's amazing. Uh, I've done this with uh, things where you, I have a dream about something, so I've driven around things. You know how we got the building up in Forest Lake up in Minnesota? I don't know if I've told anybody this. We got it because one day I'm sitting there and uh, I was like, we need a building. We need a building or I can't broadcast nor stream. How are we going to do it? And my living room would be awkward if there's a bigger audience here and I'm in my living room. <laughs> Hello. You know, that would be kind of unique. <laughs> Heather, Heather, come on up here. Let's give the Lord an amen tonight. Okay, yeah. Cue the mic. And raw, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, so I realized that we needed a building. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, go here. I was like, okay. It's the only thing I'd looked at. We looked at other things kind of kicking tires, but the Holy Spirit said, get in your car, drive here. So I did, got in the car, drove to this one location, and I drove right on to our campus that we have right now. Mm. Holy Spirit said, take a look at this, go see if it's listed. I was like, okay. So we went and saw that it was listed. And uh, we got it, the place is worth a million bucks. And we got it for like 280. And so the Holy Spirit just, just did that. And when the realtors saw it and all that, they looked at me and said, how did you know about this? I said, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus, <laughs> I didn't want to tell him, you know, it's like the Holy Ghost, but the Lord showed us how to get it, the Lord showed us where to go, and because of that, the, the realtor even said, this has been on the market for years, years, the last time it was sold, it was sold for $2 million, wow. 
because it's not just the building. Some of you have seen the building. It's not just the building. It's the whole lot. It's by a golf course. And uh, it's, it's really premier, the area. And so I'm looking at it, and they said, this has been on the market for all this time. And I was like, huh. And they said, but nobody's even so much as looked at it. They didn't know it was there. It was like buried in some weird MLS listing. It just was buried. And they said, how did you find out about it? I was like, I just drove here. <laughs> Jesus, you know, I looked at it. And, you know, and we closed on it in no time. It was amazing. <laughs> And so we have a place. And the irony of it is, is we just stepped into it, and it has such fast internet. That place is in the sticks, and it's got lightning fast internet, exactly what we needed. Isn't that something? So praise God. So I was driving around looking for things, and God took us there. You've got to put faith to your seed. You've got to do that. Now, that's my word. Don't just try to make that happen. You know, that doesn't happen to me every day, okay? God tells me something, I go do it. You know, and that's a rare occasion that you just go get something like that. Praise God. But when I know God's spoken to me, I do it. Another way you can do it is by looking at imagery. If you have a seed of something inside you, I've kept huge pictures of, of giant crusades inside um, uh, my, my office and all that before where I just had pictures along the wall, panoramic shots of crusade meetings and, and big pictures of all these things. And it helps me expand my thinking. I think about the masses that way. I also think about the masses because one day the Lord told me, walk out, go to the end of this dirt road, it's like six in the morning, I want you to walk out here, I want you to get to the end of this road, and when you do, I want you to turn left. And I was like, okay. So I'm walking and walking and walking and walking. It's farmland. And I was like, Lord, what am I looking at? Why are you sending me out here? You know? You gotta know the voice of the Lord to do some of this stuff because some of it is like, okay, is this me? Is this Jesus? Is this bad pizza? What's going on? <laughs> and, and so I'm walking and I'm... <laughs> I'm cruising out there and I get to the end of this road and I take a left and I go down this trail and come to the end of the trail. And when I get to the end of the trail, I look out and I was like, awesome, a field, great. I was like, this is good, Lord, I love you, but I don't know what I'm doing here. And I was like, well, I obeyed you, I'm going home, it's chilly. And I start heading back and the Lord's like, turn around, go back. I was like, yes, sir. And so I went back, I stood at that spot again and he said, look up, now look. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking. Standing there. This is me, five minutes of this. Yep, amen. You know, amen, Jesus, whatever you want. Amen. I'm looking at this, and the Lord said, and this field was actually a tilled field that had fresh dirt tilled, and it was probably about close to a mile one way and half a mile the other. It was, it was really big, and it was just this big field. And the Lord said, I want you to imagine that this is an auditorium, and it's filled with people, packed, standing room only, you could have fit probably a million people in there. I mean, you could have fit at least half that, at least. And I was looking at that, and the Lord said to me, said, I want you to reach the masses. And sometimes you have to look at things that God tells you to go look at to fuel that seed of dreams inside you. And so part of that is, is because God earlier had given me a dream where I saw this camera, and it was on the water floating, and Andy and I were on the shoreline, and I'm sitting there trying to, you know, minister into this camera, and it's on the water, and the water represents the people and all that, and there's all this stuff that the Lord speaks to me. And the Lord really wants to keep reminding me of that. So I go back, and sometimes I go look at that field, or I look at other things, and I just believe for it. And that is all of our job, to reach the masses. North Stream Churches, we're going to reach the masses through media. Praise God. Unconventional stuff. We're going to raise up pastors and leaders, and so many churches are going to come out of this. It's going to be awesome. It's already done.